everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Laughs. We are resuscitating the podcast. I am here with my co-host, BJ. BJ, how's it going? So far, so good. This is an exciting time, BJ. We have not done Mangum Laughs in a very long time. Uh, we're just bringing pods back from the grave left and right on the Mangum Talks TV uh, or Mangum Talks channel. Uh, Mangum Talks TV recently has uh, come back as well. Uh, so check that out. If you are a Star Wars fan right now, we are doing Mandalorian <clears throat> and we are knee deep in season two. Uh, been a lot of fun doing that one with Spencer. Uh, BJ, anything you want to plug with uh, Mangum Reads or Pottering Around? Uh, yeah, so we are in the midst of uh, the Forward Collection, which is a, a collection of uh, short stories slash novellas um, that you can borrow from Amazon. Um, we're then going to be going into the uh, Agatha Christie Award nominees for this year. And um, then look forward to uh, book four of Harry Potter, which is Sarah's favorite book, uh, coming in the new year. And I hear that Spencer's actually going to read this one in hardcover. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think he uh, found a deal, as Spencer does. So He probably found it like at a thrift store or something. Yeah, he's got a hardcover of it. So yeah, check, uh, check out Mangum <clears throat> Reads and Pottering Around. And... Now we can transition to this podcast. If you are new to the podcast, uh, BJ and I review stand-up comedy specials, and we call it Mangum Laughs. We have covered a number of specials in the past. We've done Richard Pryor. We've done Dave Chappelle. We've done some of the greats and some of the worst. Uh, We've done some really bad ones as well. Uh, This one today, I think BJ probably lands somewhere in the middle. We are reviewing Kevin Hart's newest stand-up special recorded during quarantine, uh, yep. called Zero Fucks Given that recently came out on Netflix. So, BG, do you want to go through initial thoughts? Um, and and I'll do mine as well, and then maybe we can talk about specific bits that either landed or didn't land. Yeah, uh, that sounds good. Cool. Um, I always find it interesting um, with going into some of Kevin Hart's comedy um, because he has a... He has a very distinct style that that is fairly common of, of at least relatively uh, popular comedians, but uh, a lot of it sort of played on um, at least sort of like his interactions with his family and then interactions with other celebrities. And as he's as we talked about off pod, like he's gotten more and more famous. And so going in, it was kind of like a what is this going to be, and how did he do this in lockdown? And I was interested, you know, as to what was going to happen with it. And and it was a very curious special um, in terms of like what what he actually talked about and and like how sort of his brand of comedy like has evolved or not. Um, Yeah, I agree. So just to kind of set the table for folks. So. I mentioned that this was recorded during quarantine and, and but what I mean by that is Kevin actually recorded this in his house. He converted mm-hmm. his basement to a, a stage, kind of like a lounge, a little stage and some, some couches. And he had some like maybe I would say 25 to 30 folks uh, down yeah. there. They were all socially distanced, all wearing masks. And he came out and he did his special. And one of the things that I've noticed with stand-up comedians who have a trajectory similar to Kevin Hart, where they start in stand up and they actually start like, you know, in stand up rooms and legit, you know, stand up comedy, um, you know, uh, rooms and, and, and places, stuff like um, the comedy store or, you know, some of the places in, in New York City. 
Laugh Factory, Laugh like Factory, small, smaller clubs, exactly. Stuff, yeah. and, but legit like places, right? And they actually work mm-hmm. material out and get really, really good. And they they come up that way. But then they make the transition to star, and then they start doing movies, and then they get kind of bigger than life. And what I've noticed is that any any like the people that I've seen with that trajectory, think Eddie Murphy, good example. Mm-hmm. Their stand up starts to suffer. And my theory for that is that often, you know, the best stand-up comedy is observational comedy. It's pointing out the silly things that we do that we don't notice that we do, right? That's what yep. always lands. And when you get as famous as Kevin Hart is, you can't go out and observe people anymore. You just can't be normal when you're out. And yep. As a matter of fact, he even talks about this uh, in his special. Now, he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of dovetails it with, you know, I can't go out due to... Um, you know, COVID, but he, but he also talks about being famous and how he can't go out, you know, because he's so famous. And I think that the stand up suffers and what you end up with is something very similar to what the special is, which is they have to talk about what their life consists of. And so, you know, it's a lot of talking about family, talking about the close knit circle, talking about being famous mm-hmm. and it's often not as good. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's what happened here. God bless Kevin Hart for, for doing this special. I, I think it's a, an interesting special. He, he clearly loves stand-up comedy. He's trying to get back into stand-up comedy. But I think his mega fame um, is, is absolutely going to affect his stand-up, and there's really not a lot he can do about that. BJ, what do you think? Um, I agree with you uh, pretty much across the board. Um, the only thing that the only other style of economy that I think hits consistently, but maybe not quite as broadly, is uh, stories. Like sort of observational, but a lot more like people telling stories about stuff that goes on in their life in a funny way. And I think probably the most famous of them is like Burt Kreischer's The Machine, where it's just basically a relatively true story taken in a funny way and and kevin hart does some of this i think some of it has to be like a little bit of a transition from just observations to like a little bit more stories about his life but if you know but you notice in the machine he is doing observational comedy oh yeah and and he and he's doing it from a position not a position of power and fame he's doing it from like i was just the little guy in the room right and that's why it's so funny that everybody's calling Mm -hmm. him the machine so you know even to be able to have that experience, and I'm sure he, did, I'm sure that is 60% false, but like to have some semblance of that experience to be able to craft that story, you can't be super famous. So, right, you know, I mean, I just think it's inevitable that these guys, when they get really famous, struggle. And I would like to draw a parallel here with Dave Chappelle, who is also super, super famous. I don't think he's as famous mm-hmm. as Kevin Hart is. Yeah, but he's very famous. And Kevin or Dave has taken a lot of strides to try to put himself in a position to still be able to craft that sort of everyday, what is the average Joe doing comedy? He doesn't do big movies. He often will take time out to, uh, you know, just kind of be away from the spotlight for a while. And he lives in some podunk town in Ohio, right? right. So and he's doing a lot of things to set himself up to still, even being famous, to still be able to do that type of, of comedy. And I think, like, he did it consciously consciously because i mean he basically ducked out of the spotlight for close to 20 years Mm -hmm. when like he was on that trajectory to be similar similar notoriety to to what kevin hart is now right um and i think that 
what some of what you're seeing with Kevin Hart is a lot of comedians seem to have this like need to do stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and there're actually a lot uh, basically everybody has a podcast now because you know uh, everybody that didn't before corona now has one because there's sort of nothing else to do it's a way to itch with, that muscle right exactly yeah, yeah. and like half of what they talk about is not being able to do stand-up not being able to work out material in rooms not being able to do all the normal things that they do makes them crazy and and i think that sort of doubled down for people like kevin hart where it's not only can he not work it out but even if he like had wanted to before lockdown started he just wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so in a small room where people might not know him or people aren't going to tweet about something like vaguely insensitive that he might have said because it's a joke that didn't land more than anything else yeah absolutely um yeah, and to your point, a lot of stand-ups are talking about how, you know, they, they can't do comedy right now and it's killing them. And and the best stand-up comedians, like Jerry Seinfeld is a, is a really good example. Rodney Dangerfield's another one. Richard Pryor mm-hmm. is another one. They all talk about when you're a stand-up, you fall in love with stand-up comedy. That doesn't go away if you're yeah. a true stand-up. And I think that that's how you separate somebody like Eddie Murphy from Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart even says in the special, and I, I think it's honest. He says, I wasn't feeling right. I didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to go back to stand-up. I needed to do some more stand-up. He actually comes on stage and says that at the yeah. start of the special. And I, I think he's being brutally honest there that he needed to do it. Now, the way he's doing it, you know, he, he couldn't work the material out in rooms. He's having to do material as a very famous person. Yeah, I've talked about that in a, a kind of negative light so far. But I want to transition and say that not it's not all bad. This is, an, yeah. this is a special that is worth watching if you have an hour. You're not going to put it up there with Laugh at My Pain, right? You're not going to put it up there with Raw or um, you know some, uh, Live on the Sunset Strip. You're not going to put it up there with really good stand-up specials. But it is worth your hour. Um, Kevin is still very funny. And there's some stuff mm-hmm. that we can talk about that I think really worked. Um, some stuff didn't work. But I, I, I yeah. do think I do think it's worth watching, and I you know I commend Kevin because of all the reasons I've said he's handicapped in doing stand up, but yet he's still able to produce an hour that I'm sure he didn't work out anywhere else except by himself. That's okay. Yeah, and and so sort of two things that before we jump into the actual meat of like what happened in in the special and the content is how do you feel about like the edges of specials where um there are comedians that sort of have like a a little story like ease you in ease you out yeah um in this one like kevin has like some interactions with his family um in the beginning and in the end sort of as like uh you know lead into actually doing the special and then um there there are other comedians that do this rather than just like they're there on a stage, and it's just the special. You know, that's a that's a trend that a lot of stand-ups still hold to. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little bit of an antiquated thing. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary. I didn't get a lot from it, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. But it seems to be something that 
is comfortable for stand-ups to do because if you look like even sticks and stones with dave Chappelle, he did a little like brief intro where he's like walking through a desert or something like mm-hmm. a lot of stand-ups are still doing that um, yeah I, i'm but to, to your to your point I, in your in your ultimate question i'm not crazy about it yeah I, like I, I i can't see any time that it's really added something particularly interesting uh to to everything else i mean it, it it's not i mean sometimes it's reasonably well produced and and it's like okay that's cool um and it it feels to me sometimes like comedians are trying to be like this is a piece of art mm-hmm. and i'm going to do things around it to try and convince you of that mm-hmm. where it's just like stand up is like i you don't need to convince me and so i kind of just want to fast forward through it yeah i'm right there with you on that but let's jump into you know the meat the meat of the material um things that work things that didn't work um, yep and do you do you want to get us kicked off here um so i actually wanted to to say one more thing um which is we talked a little bit alphabet about who we think the audience members were and you know it's probably like close friends and family and, and people like that and i was just thinking that the venue is his house and like it's it's his basement how funny would it have been if somebody heckled him <laughs> that's such a funny idea i had not thought of that yeah no he did not get hecklers uh, shockingly <laughs> enough with a uh doing it in his basement with his friends um but that would have been funny if it was like some guy just boo <laughs> kevin get that weak shit out of here no that, that would have been go great. back upstairs <laughs> yeah go make some dinner kev <laughs> That would have been funny. But yeah, no, he didn't he didn't get heckled at all. Uh friendly audience. Um I think he pumped in some some laugh tracks too, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um or I could see him having uh the audience wearing mics and just like mixing that well. Making it loud. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that could be it too. Um Okay. Well, uh what what worked for you, BJ? Um I can get so I can get a start if you want us to. Yeah. Uh, why don't you get us started? Okay. Um, I'll tell you the first joke that really got me um, is Kevin, you know, in the material, he talks about, you know, being famous and he talks about, you know, he actually does a thing where he's like, he, my, you know, he told his friend he was going to do stand up again. And his friend said, you going to talk about your family again? And he's like, that's all I can talk about. That's all I do. Right. Yeah. And he talks about his family. And there is the thing where he's talking about his daughter and his daughter likes a guy named uh, I don't know, uh, the names aren't right but the the, the material is correct he likes a guy named John and and oh man I'm crazy about John then he likes a guy named Tim and then he likes a guy named Mark and and when he gets to she came in and she said I don't like Tim anymore I like Mark he says and then in my mind I thought my daughter's a hoe that was the first line <laughs> that really got me because it's it seemed like old school Kevin Hart where he was willing to like just say things that he knew would be offensive not only to his family but probably to a lot of people you know dad calling like a 14 year old daughter oh yeah um, <laughs> so, so he, he gets a little edgy I thought it worked it made me laugh that I that was a good like punch and I like that he fought like that joke really worked because it was like three or four punches in a row mm-hmm. and they all worked because he followed it up with just like um i had to like text one of my exes and, and be like well was it like this with you and <laughs> um 
and then like he went and saw these kids and he was just like all right i get it now hold on a second um so yeah that that was a lot of fun um for whatever reason and him getting his like little cousins to talk about them having sex Mm -hmm. was just like a really funny situation to have conjured up to me and like i kind of get it um like with like when you're a little bit older or even a little bit younger than than uh other family like sort of feeling out how that relationship is gonna work lends itself to comedy mm-hmm. and just like how uh how he sort of leads into it makes you makes you think that like he's gonna you know edge his way around in it and he just drops the like y'all aren't fucking <laughs> yeah as a way to like bring them out of their shells <clears throat> it, yeah. and it's definitely <laughs> just like this this style of like um sort of uh hating on somebody basically to make them like come out with like what they're doing right so i like that um i also really liked where he when when he would talk about he just get, gets back to kind of what i was talking about the monologue to start this thing is when he actually addressed being super famous <clears throat> because mm-hmm. that that level of honesty i think you could find humor in that and he did he talked about you know his kids are only used to pl- flying private mm-hmm. and you know he, he obviously split up with his ex with his ex-wife and the, you know some of the kids that he has are his ex-wife's kids so he said that they were with you know that his ex-wife their mother and they were at the airport because she like you know the implication there is that she doesn't have the money to fly private and the kids are calling him like this is hell like dad (laughs) they're taking away my you know they're taking away my lotion and my toothpaste and they won't let me bring all my bags dad this is terrible why are all these people here and he's like talking to them and he says hey put your mom on the phone and he said the mom gets on the phone he says checkmate bitch (laughs) he hangs up yeah i thought that was great Great on a number of levels, right? One, he's talking about the fact that he's super famous and he's addressing the fact that his kids are spoiled and finding humor in that, which I feel like mm-hmm. is truthful and it lands a little bit more um, than it lands pretty well. And then also, exactly. you know, he's he's taking a shot at his ex-wife, which is also funny. And, and, and a lot he, of people the, can, and he's can relate to that. Backdooring into observational comedy about how unpleasant like an airplane. airport experiences right he's he's actually getting to like like old school like seinfeld material right like oh right who, who likes an airport like you know <laughs> kind of getting there like, so what I am i gonna really, do with my really lotion i'm not gonna blow up the plane really um, good bit. and then like mixing that with just like well i have my kids have like five game systems and they're only allowed so many electronics on board yep yeah it was it was good i thought i thought that joke landed pretty well too um, oh, what was the one with his sex tape? That well, he did address his sex tape, which I thought was really wild. So Kevin Hart actually had a, a sex tape where he was married to his ex-wife, and he was cheating on his ex-wife. He got recorded, mm-hmm. and one of his buddies threatened to release it. I think he released his buddy did release stills. I'd, I've never seen the stills or any of it, but I've heard that part of it got released. And you know, he sued his buddy for trying to like extort him or blackmail him, and he won. Mm-hmm. He won, and he bankrupted the guy who was doing this. Obviously, not his friend anymore. Anyway, pretty ugly personal, you know, situation for Kevin to have gone through. Yeah, but he does address it in the uh, 
in the in the in the special. I'm not really remembering how he referenced it. Do you do you remember that, BJ? No, I I just remember a bit like him. Um, oh, he was talking about something going on, and you know that something got like more views than his sex tape or, or something. Uh, Some oh, casual I think it, reference, I, but I, I remember that you and I just were like, like record yeah. stop and looked at each other like, it, wow, he actually talked about that. And it was really that. funny. <laughs> I think he was, it was talking about um, him being recorded eating a hamburger after he went vegan. Yeah. In the, in the McDonald's parking lot, eating a Big and, Mac and, and somebody recorded him. Yeah. Right. And, and like he dropped it because, you know, it was going to get more more views than his sex tape or, or, or something like that. And yeah, it was, and like it was he something made, like, along those lines. But he, he did reference it, which I thought was there was funny. There was a lot of funny in that. Just just even mm-hmm. talking about it. And, you know, it reminds me kind of on a, on a much, much smaller level when we watched um, Live on the Sunset Strip with Richard Pryor. And as soon as he even addressed the fact that he, you know, lit himself on fire. Right. You know, obviously much, much more painful personal situation physically and mentally, but still in the same vein of addressing your pain, um, the audience went crazy, right? And I think right. that, that if, he, if Kevin was in an arena and he was doing this with regular fans, I think the reference of the sex tape would have gotten, you know, exploding in laughter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it certainly did in our living room. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so one of the, the jokes that I laughed during, but for a completely different reason that didn't hit at all was he was talking about how he was in the hospital. Um, (laughs) and basically he had this large male, uh, Hispanic nurse. And he was saying Um, that he was paralyzed at the time. Right. Um, so supposedly on his wikipedia page it says he had major back issues and was there for 10 days uh, in the hospital for 10 days um so um yeah this was like last year um and uh basically this nurse is like carrying him to the bathroom and back uh because he can't move which um and the nurse is, is sort of like watching him, uh, you know, have a bowel movement and is just like, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to wipe you really good. And, and, you know, makes another joke about him being famous. And it's like, well, I've never wiped somebody's ass that's this famous. Um, my favorite thing about that and the reason that I was laughing is just like he had to sit and come up with this because there's no way like this is not how somebody who has a back injury, how they deal with that in a hospital. No. And so it's completely went, made up. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he, he spent a lot of this time working on this joke that is so completely made up. And it's just so funny to me that he's like workshopping this concept of himself getting his ass wiped by a male nurse. And like, obviously working with like, you know, who's the nurse doing it? Like how, like who Jose, they have to be. And he does the accent of Jose. Ex- I'm going to exactly. feel good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Um, and just to me, like, and, and like, is he workshopping with his kids, like with his wife or is he just like, you know, Probably on a zoom so, call yeah. with like another comedian, just like everything about that is so funny to me because, because it, it's barely taking from something that happened to him. 
Yeah, and I don't think he was ever paralyzed either because he, he walked away from the wreck immediately and then walked into an ambulance that took him. I mean, I know he had back pain, but I don't think he was. Yeah. I don't think he was ever actually paralyzed. Yeah, so he was just completely making up something there. Um, but again, trying to take a real life painful experience um, and, and create humor out of it, which is you know it's classic stand up comedy and it and it works. Hey. Um, I'll tell you the thing that I like the most is he he got it right at the end. He was talking about. Somehow he had he had made some joke about people with one arm, <laughs> and he said, yeah. "Yeah, I'm gonna get canceled because I made fun of handicapped people." He kind of pulled it, pulled out right, and he did a little meta commentary. He said, "I'm gonna get I'm gonna get canceled for making fun of people with one arm," and then he then he just offhandedly said, "You know, they can protest me, but they can't hold the sign up for too long." <laughs> and I looked at you and I said, "That's my favorite joke of the special." Yeah, like right there because that that to me was. He's sitting in the comedy store and, you know, he's like, how can I, I have a smart audience in the comedy mm-hmm. store that has heard a lot of these beats before. How can I say something that's going to, you know, hit with them, something they don't expect. And that right. type of joke is something that would shake the room a little bit in some, some room like the comedy store. And I feel like that was OG Kevin Hart. Um, material and I, I really liked it and that was probably one of the only moments where I felt like he was doing like and I, I think I even told you I was like that's Philly Kevin Hart yeah back um, when he was he was in Philadelphia and so what what I'll say is like talking about getting canceled is super common right now it's sort of like there all the time and, and people have different takes on this and this was like such a good commentary on that and joke on that that like hits and then like pulls back and it's not it's not like really running roughshod over anybody in in particular and and you know it he turns quickly enough from it that that i like i i just i think it was a good way to address it make a really good joke about it that that's very old school um and and keep going um and it was uh talking about his uh um his boxing which was that was really funny but that was also old school kevin hart right making fun yeah. of his sat his stature making fun of his inability physically like that, that that's old school kevin Hart material sorry to cut you off but i was just yeah pointing yeah out. Um, and, and making fun of his like relatively high pitched voice and, and, you know, sort of going back and forth on this. And, and I think that, you know, parts of, of that set of jokes hit and like, but I felt it was a little bit long and how he was sort of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and I think sorry, but just to the front end of that joke, the thing about him not being able to see, but it was actually his head piece that had, had come yeah. down over his ass. I, I know that's silly, but man, did that make me laugh. Oh, yeah. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, there were definitely parts that were really funny and made me laugh. Like, his headgear coming down, um, his trainer, like, telling him that, that uh, you know, his jab is like lightning. And, you know, describing his opponent as... Um, one-arm guy. Uh, that's where the one-arm thing came from. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the, we can connect them. He, yeah. he was the storm tracker because, like, he, he couldn't <laughs> hit with any of his lightning jabs. I mean, like, those were funny, but it was just, it felt like there was a five-minute setup. And then there were a couple, of, there, there were, like, some rapid-fire uh, punchlines, but it was a it was a long setup. And I think that's where 
you really see a lot of times that he didn't get to work this out, didn't yeah, yeah. get the rhythm of it. Very good point. And he had, um, you know, it was basically an hour-long special with 15 to 30 minutes of tight material. And it's understandable. Like, you know, there's no way he can he can work that and pair that appropriately. So he just has to do like what he came up with in long form because he just doesn't have the space to work it out. He doesn't have, like I was talking about, he doesn't have that smart audience <clears throat> that will yeah. tell him that went on a little long. This part is good. That part is not, you know, getting that, those cues from that's really smart comedic audience. Um, yeah. A great, really great point there. Because yeah, I think that's, that's one of those he could have tightened up, but there was funny moments, right? When he, he said that it, you know, he was getting ready to hit him with the jab and he went forward to hit the jab before he twisted, he stepped <laughs> forward and then pop, pop, pop. And he actually used the microphone to hit himself in the head. Yeah. And then he said, like, then I went blind. I couldn't see nothing like that. <laughs> really, really funny stuff. But agree. But again, I agree with you. The setup was a little long. I think the joke itself went on a little long. Um, and, and it's sort of fun to see, um, like I, I can't, always decide where where i land on this um it's usually like in retrospect that i sort of have this appreciation where like he has a couple of signatures and banging himself on the head with a mic is is one of his signatures mm-hmm. um it, i sort of mentioned this like Chappelle bangs the uh the mic on his leg he does a loop um whereas like kevin hart does like his crying uh noise his uh yeah he does that a lot Mm -hmm. you know banging bang the mic on his head and then like the the stereotypical white guy which you mentioned was so funny that he did it for seinfeld because seinfeld is like has such a stereo like everybody does their seinfeld impression yeah i had to actually stop the the recording (laughs) uh, stop the special and be like he's using his normal uh, uh, like white white guy voice and he, he, he couldn't come up with a Seinfeld? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, everybody has a Seinfeld. Right. You know, every like, every, a lot of people do really bad Seinfeld, but you still know that they're doing Seinfeld. And I don't oh, know if I it's... Believe. Yeah, I mean, I, can, I do a bad Seinfeld. <laughs> like, are they friendly enough that Seinfeld is just like, really, you're going to do an impression of me? Like, is, is, is that what your comedies come down to? Like, really? Me? Anyway, so... I don't think and he's that was, friends with Seinfeld. <laughs> That's going to be my guess. <laughs> I, like, so, so yeah, that was the other thing that I was like, I don't think this invitation to Seinfeld's house and the, the pizza the, thing, the pizza thing actually happened. I don't either. Um, and he actually kind of tongue in cheek addresses that at the end, right? When he wakes up and he's like, I've never been to Seinfeld's house. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, don't but think, also, I don't think that happened. And I think that the thing about the pizza went on way, way, way too long and wasn't that funny. I So it was funny to me in like a, like an awkward situational humor thing when he had the uh, like waiters bring in pizza at the end and like kind of tried to get his audience to, to chant uh bop. the brick up and pizza bop and it's just like this is this is like parks and rec awkward humor yeah that shouldn't be in a stand-up special yeah it was it was strange um it was a weird ending i didn't think the pizza thing was that funny um the only funny moment we had was he he said there was lettuce on it 
And I thought I thought he was I thought he was addressing greens that were cooked into the pizza. So in the room, I said, "Oh, he's talking about spinach." And you and my wife both said, "No, he's talking about arugula." And then he he said, right like two seconds after that, he said, "Somebody told him, hey, Kevin, it's arugula," <laughs> which was just funny, like you know, in the room for us. But the, the, yeah. the special itself, um, not crazy about the pizza bit. I didn't think that was great. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I think, you know, on the whole, his bits hit more than they they missed, but, you know, everything was just a little rough around the edges, and so they didn't hit as much as they would have otherwise, and, you know, they they missed a little bit more than they would have otherwise, which, you know, is just how things are. Yeah. Um, All right, well, do you want to but, transition to some closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I thought... His clothing choice, like he, he looks like he's like in like custom tailored pajamas almost. <laughs> and and I find that so funny. That's a, I that's think, a pretty good burn, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would take, um, and, a, I think he would hit him, hit him, hit him in the feels with that one. <laughs> he could do his, his uh, crying noises. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, all in all, like, it was fun. It was fun enough to watch. It it wasn't something where I was just like, I wasted that time. I'll never get it back. And, yeah, it wasn't that at all. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I I thought it was. Stand up comedy is suffering right now because people can't get in rooms. You're going to get a lot of this. I think you, you know you've gotten some folks doing like stand up in front of like drive-ins with cars. Mm-hmm. That has its own feel. I don't. I still. I don't think that's as good as like being in a comedy room, right? Or even being like in a stadium uh, full yeah. of people. Uh, but you know, it's things people are trying out because it's an. It's a weird time right now. And Kevin tried out something you know different himself, which is to do it in his house, do it in his basement with you know socially distanced folks who are wearing masks. You know that he knows and. You know, God bless him for trying it. Um, I think that you know, we're going to look back on that and say probably we're going to say Kevin did the best he could under the circumstances. And yeah. he did give us an hour of pretty good standup. I mean, it's worth watching. So, um, all in all, I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a B minus. Mm-hmm. I think in five years we might look back and, and, and give it a B plus a minus just because, you know, we may look back and say, man, he was really dealing with something difficult there, but you know, in the moment us watching it right now, I'm going with a B minus. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough because uh, he's going up against a lot of comedy that was worked out before uh, Corona. And mm-hmm. it, it's just not not a fair, fair comparison. And so, like, it's sort of like, you know, the joke is he has a star next to his name um, for this. And I think that, that we're going to see even more... Uh, stuff in like the next six to 12 months that's like this and it's going to compare well against those. Yep. I completely agree. Um, okay. All right. Well, BJ, I would like to say uh, what a pleasure it is getting back into Mangum Last with you. I hope we do this on a much more regular basis going forward and I want to thank everybody for joining us. Anything else you want to say, BJ, before we wrap up? No. It was uh, a lot of fun and, and I guess the last thing that you know we sort of hinted at is we were in the same room for this. So, um, it was a lot more fun uh, than than watching comedy alone, which is essentially what we've been doing 
to a large extent previously for Mangum laughs or yeah. forcing our significant others to, to be in the room and <laughs> take Yeah, part. we actually live close to each other now, so I, we actually probably can, can watch these, um, you know, uh, together going forward, which will, which will change the experience and probably change the content of the podcast. But again, uh, just really grateful to be back doing, doing Mangum Laughs with you, and I appreciate all... Uh, everybody who's listening, um, check us out, uh, Mangum Laughs, and check out our other podcast, Mangum Talks TV, Mangum Reads, and Pottery Room. Thanks, everybody. It's been fun. See you.